Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fulia Hunter Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're concluding our discussion with Nick Johnson from Singapore and in this session we're going to go in a little bit more depth about the journey that Nick took and what the first steps were and how he is now applying that and sharing that with others that are currently in the position that he was in when he first had to take stock of his life. Speaking on this topic in the beginning was quite challenging, especially sharing my own story. You know, when I went to the publisher and I wanted to write about this topic, I wanted to include the the survey findings. I wanted to include the interviews of all the executives. I did not plan to include my story in the book. And it was only the the publisher, an Australian publisher, who, who told me, we need your story in there. We need some personality. And I was so shy to write this down. And they interviewed me for a few weeks in detail to get my story in there. And then when I had it down there, I shared it with my wife. And I said, is this really the truth? And she pushed me to go even deeper and and open up more to share our darker secrets when we've gone through the most difficult days of our lives. As humans, we're not so used to share that. And now it's in a book on Amazon, you know, it's there forever, right? (laughs) That's great. Given that you did that really open sharing, Do you now find when people have read that story that they think they know you, that they ask questions where they already know the answers? Yeah, I mean, some people were shocked in the beginning and some people are surprised by the level of uh, honesty uh, that uh, that I'm showing. The, The authenticity is something that people are talking about, authentic leadership. But here it's really perhaps the next level. But some people, even when they start to read a book, they said I after 37 pages, uh, I had to stop. I had to wait for a moment to, to because it was mm. just so shocking. And then they continue, especially here in Asia. There was not many books written talking about this before. Just on that, can I ask you a, the, the less than pleasant question? Have you lost contacts over it? No, I haven't. Kim. That's good. I, yeah. I, I'm now a small business owner myself, should I say. If I had been in a big multinational company with a lot of approvals uh, to get, you know, from head of communication and HR and so on, the book might never have been published because they might have said, well, this is not going to reflect good on our company and so on. But mm-hmm. because I had a small company, I could actually get the word out there, which I'm grateful for. And I, I knew that I took a risk, but I thought that the rewards would be better. And again, it was not about not thinking about myself, but the great, the good here in that we spread a message that we feel more comfortable talking about this topic. In some earlier of our podcasts, we've talked about joining peer networks and and finding a group, particularly for senior executives, to find a group where you can talk to one another without judgment. And I think that that's a very difficult area for these people to explore. You know, how do they go about finding where those groups are? Yes, Kim, and, and that's what I do for a living now in Singapore. And so it's such a match for me to work in such an organization. There are many organizations, of course, also in Australia and all over the world. And I gave my talk once, by the way, to one organization in Australia called Mentoring Men, where they have, a, a, I think, a weekly gathering online. They now meet, of course, in person as well, and they are sharing stories and so on. There's also peer networks, uh, of course, in Australia and New Zealand, to look up and many of them are confidential like ours is confidential so we create a group of 20 25 senior executives where everyone signed a non-disclosure agreement we make sure there's no competitor in the group 
and uh, it has a moderator that leads the group and you come in there to discuss your work-related challenges then to get some support with them. So if you have a conflict with your team, you have a conflict with your boss, so you're feeling stressed or pressured, this should be your natural place to discuss it. So what is happening then, of course, is that you're addressing the issues before they become isolation and before they come loneliness and you're not sitting on this alone. So this is, I mean, a wonderful way. So I can encourage every senior executive who's listening. If you don't have, belong to a network, that is a great way, of course, for you to, to get the support. I think it's really good how you applied what executives use all the time in running a business. They use tools, they use coaches. What you demonstrated yet again in a very, very powerful way is how you use the coach to help you on your journey, how you're using the tools and creating tools like those groups that you can join confidentially. And I think that makes it so much easier. It takes away the loneliness, but it gives practical approach as well to people. So I think the more people use what you put in place and the strategies that you use, they will be more happier and more fulfilled as well, not just stressed. Yes, and the peer network is one thing. And what I also do now, as I mentioned, when I had had something, a specific assignment that I was challenged with, like the public speaking, then I did uh, consult a coach for that. And I think that's another thing, you know, the peer group can be an ongoing network where you build stronger relationships and you have people to help you. But I would encourage everyone also, if you're a senior executive, and you feel that you have a very difficult assignment where you need help, don't be shy to reach out to coaches. There's so many coaches in every area as well. So that is what I do now. If I really feel this is stressful or we're going through a change in the company now as we're growing, then see who can help me with this. Is there a coach? Is there a mentor? Who would be the person? And many times this can be also someone who's happy to mentor you, perhaps even over a coffee. You might not need a formal agreement over it. Yeah. One of the earlier questions that we sent you as well was about looking at how isolation develops. The question was that I sent was, uh, does isolation happen as a career progresses upwards or is it something that might always be there in terms of your character? Now, we've heard your story this morning and you were honest about being rebellious and to uh, go your own way. In terms of someone who is early in their career and they, they have these goals that they've set themselves, How do they begin to identify that they are pushing themselves into the lonely progress rather than a a measured progress? Well, I would say that it's more isolation at the top. It's lonely at the top, but it can start at any level. And it seems like the higher of achiever you are, uh, even at the lower level, then you will also naturally be isolated because perhaps you are spending more focus on working harder mm-hmm. uh, rather than spending time at the water cooler. When everyone go out, perhaps for a lunch break, you decide to have a salad on your desk because you want to work harder. And naturally, you probably want to impress the bosses. So you're going to do a great job. You're going to get the recognition. And then everyone else will perhaps start to resent you and feel jealous. And they will talk around your back with leads that you're sitting in your office, having more salad by yourself, impressing the bosses more and that is the challenge right there. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is what happened. Kimi, if I may share a story of one woman I interviewed for uh, my book, which was exactly this scenario. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that both Fuliana and I have seen that in our careers. Yeah. And so we, we can look back on that and say, you know, why didn't we as the managers identify that rather than, than be selfish, as you have pointed out, and say, oh, well, this is good because it's going to make me look better at the end of the quarter and the numbers are going to be better. Our responsibility as leaders is to identify that uh, there are certain behaviours that are dangerous in that mm. sense long term and do something about it, recognise it, just say, look, it's great that you're here, I appreciate that, but remember that it's just as important for you to be part of a team. Exactly, and I, I spoke with one woman who I interviewed for my book. Uh, she uh, was a managing director for a big international bank, so working in a man's industry where she was many times the only woman at the uh, boardroom meetings and so on, and she had in the last few years of her career started to feel very isolated. She was exactly like that, having a lunch by herself at the desk when the rest of her team was walking out. They didn't talk to her much. Also, because she felt lonely and isolated at work, she said she started to push her husband away at home and she dared him to leave her and so on. But on the outside, everything looked great. She had a, a, the perfect job, a car and private school for the kids and everything else. So everyone thought that everything was great. Then she had an accident, she had a surgery on her face and she got a scar, which uh, made her lose her confidence a lot during this time. And that uh, pushed her into more isolation. And when I interviewed her for the book, it went as far as she admitted to me that she even had rehearsed her own suicide twice. This might have been the saver for her because I was the first person she shared this with. And the outcome of that was that she spoke to her therapist and her husband and the three had a conversation And she turned this around and bravely enough, she even shared it in her team, even with her boss inside the company as a learning for all of them. This was during the pandemic and her whole company culture then transformed as a result of this with everyone daring to open up much more. So I can indeed see that women can isolate to this stage as well. That's a wonderful piece of information to share because I think that it's so easy for all of us to identify. So as you were talking, I was thinking, well, I can remember Fuliana in her early career, and we both worked in male-dominated industries. We were in construction, first of all, and then Fuliana went into finance, and I wasn't brave enough. I just went out on my own as a consultant. You know, we we both were people who started early in the day and Mm. thought that we were doing the right thing, justified it to ourselves, I will say, by saying, oh, well, for me, it was always better to travel at those times of the day because I had further to travel than most people so it was easier to get in early and to do work and to go home late because the the travel suited me and then when I had children it was well you know work it around when I have to pick up and drop off and those sorts of things so it's that combination of hearing a story identifying with parts of it or identifying it in someone else if if we're we're just wanted to go to manager role and recognizing that what we are telling ourselves is justification that's not the real reason and that we have to dig a little bit deeper to see that what the real reason is and address the reason as we do with anything that that becomes an issue is is look at the real reason not just don't treat the symptoms treat the disease to add to that i agree and to add to that our responsibility of setting that being that role model by us doing it, and I certainly went through that, is by us doing what you just described. It's not good for us, but it's setting the wrong, you know, leadership example to others. Is That's the only way to live that horrible, lonely, <laughs> you know, working 24 hours sort of scenario, which is not sustainable, really. 
Yes, absolutely. And that's what I've seen so many times when I'm working with executive. It is indeed the long working hours and not being able to put parameters on yourself. Perhaps, you know, many people are working across two, three time zones. That means 16 hours working days. And it's got, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to break down eventually. Let's move forward into what you are doing now. Nick, tell us a little bit about the opportunities now for you. Yes, so indeed, uh, I'm running a, a confidential peer network now in Singapore, Indonesia, and we're just setting up in Malaysia as well. In Singapore, it's quite a mature business here, just like in Australia and New Zealand and US and Europe and so on. It's been around for some time. Uh, so here it's a mature market. We have 700 senior executives and business owners, I should say. During the pandemic, we realized that there was a lot of business owners also felt mm. isolated. So we now have 100 entrepreneurs in, in three different groups here. So it's really to provide them with this safe space where they feel that they can discuss their work-related challenges and so on. So my role now is I have appointed the team to run the meeting. So mine is more the strategy and growing this. And I'm very excited about taking this into Indonesia this year and also Malaysia. And just to paint the picture, then when we came into Indonesia and we had a press conference, uh, we had to spend one hour to explain what a confidential peer group was to the press because the, the, the words yeah. don't even exist yeah. in Bahasa Indonesia. <laughs> we are the first peer network to enter the market, you know, so it's so fresh for them. So even mm. the concept, why would I share my challenge to someone? That doesn't yes. click yet. Yeah. Obviously, the, the early enthusiasm is there. So how do you get the contacts? How do you get into that area that you need to? Well, uh, to enter these new markets is a lot of by referrals. So then yeah. it would be someone who perhaps is a member of a network like this in Singapore who recommend his or her general manager in Indonesia who should join this. I'm a member. So we really have to take baby steps, you know, to, yeah. to get them in and practice that to be vulnerable, to practice step. You cannot push them right away to go very deep, but just to be in the safe place and, and start you know, everyone is very suspicious in the beginning before they open up. But then we need to prepare behind the scene with one or two members who we know a little bit, prep them and get them to open up. And then everyone else will see, oh, this person dared to share the challenge. And now everyone helps them. Oh, look at them. They solved it, you know. So this is the, the way that a country and, uh, and executives and companies can develop and, and grow. Because they're <laughs> developing trust at, at that level, at that very basic and personal level. Do you see that they also benefit in a business sense? Yes, certainly. I've seen that. I've seen transformations. I've seen in senior executives, also in Singapore, people who got so much confidence by doing these exercises in the peer group that they changed also externally. I saw people who suddenly dared to perhaps smile on a photo and making a LinkedIn post and making sharing something a bit personal, something they never done before because we have just lived in this Bible. And as I call it in my book, I call it a smiling depression, you know, that when we mm. don't dare to share what are also some of the challenges we are facing. Are you planning to open up in Australia as well? We actually have a partner over there that, who's running. It's a very small network, but uh, I'm hoping to one day also come and, and be part of that to make it bigger. Great. So if we have any local people that could benefit from that, we've got an avenue that we can put on, on our website, yes? Yes, certainly. I will share that with you. We certainly will put your book up and the details of how they can get that and the, the groups the, that you're running because our uh, listening audience is actually across 
the world. So I'm sure there'll be some of those who find that this is the catalyst for them to talk to someone or to, to look out for someone. Nick, is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to bring to the fore today? No, I, I think you covered most of it. And I think a, a few of the key things that really I, I, I would like to highlight is indeed that if there's something on your mind, stop and perhaps write it down or take a bit of inventory. And that's what I did at, at first step. You know, once I started to speak up, I, I took some time for myself to write down what was the issues. I was overweight. I was drinking too much alcohol. I, I needed uh, I needed to get back into exercise. I had some broken relationships. I needed to make amends and say sorry to the people I hurt. And I wrote basically this whole inventory. And then I just started to tick these. So that that worked for me and uh, i've seen it work for a lot of people especially if, if you are a senior executive we used to work uh, with checklists and to-do lists so this is a good chance i mean just like someone run a shop or uh, do a stock take once a year how often do we do a stock take uh, yeah. on a stock take of ourselves fabulous you've read my mind because i am famous for the list make a list make a list <laughs> There you go, Kim. That's very good. <laughs> Just one last question, Nick. In terms of, of the family that you rebelled against in all of those early years, and, and you briefly said that perhaps they might have understood what you were going through, has the last couple of years where you've become so much more the spokesperson for these issues, has that changed the relationship you have with your family? Yes, uh, Kim, uh, a part of the list uh, indeed I wrote was all the relationships where I needed to make amends, where I needed to go back and say sorry, which I needed to repair. And of course, the family uh, was on page one of this list. Uh, I had to go back and make amends. And that included people, including my sister. And I could remember an incident when uh, my I was in Sweden visiting my family. My son was there, my ex-wife was there, and he was about three or four years old. And when I didn't watch, my sister had given him a Coca-Cola. And at the time, according to me, he was not allowed to drink uh, uh, soda. Uh, so he drank it. And uh, I basically took my son and left the table. I stormed off. I didn't have the tools and I didn't have the patience to have proper communication. So my way was just to storm off. We had a broken relationship for a few years after that. Uh, when I didn't want to talk to her, I avoided anything about this. And uh, I had to go back then. Uh, when I was in my recovery to make amends for her and make things right. And we now have a beautiful relationship again that's been repaired. I explained that I was not well at the time and, and, and so on. Such small incidents, you know, can really make scars. But I repaired all of them now. And I was home this summer in Sweden. I spent seven weeks working from there and staying at my parents' place. And uh, yeah, all those relationships are repaired, but they was quite tense before. So they're, they're huge steps, they're huge changes that you have to make to the way you think and the way you've justified the way you've been living. I encourage anyone who is listening to take the first step. It is really important that it doesn't have to be a big step. Baby steps are, are what works best because that's how we learn to do anything with baby steps. So please listen to what we've talked about. Read the book. Reach out, talk to someone, write it down, all of the things, all of the easy tasks that we talked about today. Just pick one of them, start with that and move on to the next thing. Nick, we thank you for your time this morning. We know that you've got a full day ahead of you, but it has been a real joy to hear you and to see you. 
Thank you, Nick. Really, really appreciated and enjoyed the session immensely. Most useful. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a good day. There you have the three parts to our discussion with Nick Johnson from Singapore. The link to his website and his book are below the recording here on the website. For now, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. <laughs>